Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. <laughs> Gone with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. These snaps that you took, this book, it's gonna live on, man. Part of you is going to be attached to the stones because you cataloged them, and there's something great about that. I, I guess that that's what results from concentrating on something, being focused on something, enjoying what you're doing, and having others around you enjoy it too. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns, and I'm sorry Tammy isn't with us. And if you're a listener to the show, you probably know why that is. We've got a wonderful interview for you today. We're speaking with Kurt Angelitas about his new book, Go For Broke, Volume 1. Kurt is a photographer and has been following the Rolling Stones for decades. Here's some quick stats. 56 years of almost continuously listening to their music, 53 years of attending concerts, 46 years of shooting pictures, 27 touring eras, 134 shows, 105 cities, 13 countries, and this book is the culmination of that work. So for an hour today, Kurt Angelitas and his homage to his life capturing the Rolling Stones on film, Go For Broke, Volume 1. On Rock School. On the phone with me, I've got Kurt Angelitas. He is the principal photographer and the author of a new book, Go For Broke, Volume 1. It's nothing but pictures of the Rolling Stones. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Excellent. How are you today? Uh, so far, so good, but it's early. You know, let's give people a chance to, to do something against me. Hey, the, the name of the book, Go For Broke, Volume 1, suggests that there's going to be a Volume 2 coming soon. Is that the is that the idea? Yes, there is that nested within the title as an idea, yes. All right. Now, look, this is all about the Rolling Stones. And, yes. and, and there's other people pictured in there, and I want to talk to you about them as well. But... Uh, just out of the gate, I'll tell you, this is usually you get a picture book and there's not enough pictures. You, you're, they're basically <laughs> buying paper. This thing, yeah. this thing is nice and thick. And for anyone who's a Stones fan, this seems like a great Christmas gift. And it's not overly priced. Tell me about putting this together. If you have as many pictures and I'm going to explain to the audience how many shots you've taken of the Stones. If you have this many pictures, how'd you get around to choosing these are the shots that will make up the book? Well, there were a few things that play into that choice matter, as well as the volume one matter. Over time, I've shot something close to 30,000 exposures on the Rolling Stones over time <laughs> since 1975. So of necessity, one has to edit or choose and when choosing ones for this particular book, I had to make a choice between horizontally framed images and vertically framed images. Oh, they so are. So I selected 
vertical because most books are of a vertical orientation. I'm looking at it. You're right. They are. I'm just flipping through it. Yeah, they are all vertical oriented. I never caught that. I never <laughs> well, I, caught that. I did it that way so that you wouldn't have to be changing the orientation of the book in order to view each individual page. Ah, it can drive you nuts going back between horizontals and verticals. So, and it becomes a matter of you know manipulating the book in order to read the book or view the book. And I so in that instance, I decided to make the book a vertical book. There you go. I guess volume two is going to be the the shots that are taken on the on the uh, landscape format, and the book binding is going to be on the short side. There you go. That yep. would be volume two. There you go. See, I, I'm not as dumb as I look. I physically couldn't be. When I talk to somebody who writes something about the Beatles or writes something about Van Halen or writes something about what have you, uh, and they focus so strongly and so hard on a single band outside of the book, I just want your opinion on this. Why the Rolling Stones? Why? There were so many other bands at the time. The Kinks. Now, don't get me wrong. They had hits, but they're not the Stones. There were so many other rock bands. Why? Why the Stones? Why are they arguably the most successful rock band ever? Why them? Because of the music. To put it simply, if I'm going to put something on a record player, a tape player, whatever kind of music reproduction system you've got... Uh I listen to the Rolling Stones almost exclusively. And it doesn't mean that I don't like the other ones. I listen to everything, everybody, from classical music to Indian ranga to Zydeco to world beat to reggae, everything. But my choice reflexively or instinctively or any other way you want to look at it Mm -hmm. is the Rolling Stones. I've always enjoyed their music. And they were the first ones, if you will, out of everybody that's out there that... When I heard them, I said, wow, those are something else. Those are, those, you know, that music is what I want to listen to. And everybody else that's out there isn't as present on the radio as they were back then in the 60s. What? lot of tickets man are you a professional photographer how do you how do you support yeah. this habit it's difficult it's, it's a funny thing to try to explain how do i support the habit <laughs> i'm paid as a photographer in many instances i've worked in the industry in terms of uh running a one-hour photo place or working in like producers photo lab down in la which is an outfit that does things for the movie industry I've worked for individuals and like artists. I've photographed their work. I've done bits like product photography. I've worked in pre-press photography. I've worked in bookmaking and in in the printing industry. So a lot of those, as time went by, I'd work this and I'd work that kind of a job, depending on where I was and what the times and everything else was amount to. And when the Rolling Stones were out, I would go and do as many of the shows as I could. There were times when I was utterly unemployed, and there were times when I was very happily and well-employed. Mm-hmm. The constant was 
going to and covering tours now, by the Rolling Stones. Now, I'm just using the, the numbers out of your book. You start back around the 70s and you get as close today as the, the publishing would allow. Did you have a press pass at all of those or were you playing were you playing photo pirate and somehow sneaking your equipment in? Well, I don't know if you'd call it photo pirate. And this is a really tricky thing. Are you allowed to bring a camera? And that depends on the location. It depends on the venue. There is no blanket situation, and they appear to be. And over time, it got a little bit tighter as things went. You don't break any laws when you photograph people in public. Who owns these pictures that you took? Try the legal side of it. You do. But it's, I do. But it's I of the, the Stones. I own, yeah, I, own the, I own the rights to them. I own the copyright. I own the physical media. Mm-hmm. I produced it. I created the physical media. And so you you are the one that can do with it as you please. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, once, once you've taken a photograph, it's yours. Now, there are some situations where without a model's release, you're going to get in some difficulty. There are other situations where you're not. But I'm going to bring it to on air. This idea you said to me in terms of education and such, this idea of computers, it's it's just stunning what one human being can do. And this this book is basically you showing what a single human being can do with with a computer and and some photographs. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah. Without a computer, forget it. I'd be back going among. Oh, I don't know who book distributors, buyers agents with a single copy printed from photographs in other words it would be an assemblage of photographs as opposed to pages in a book it's 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 a simple matter the old school way of doing it you'd have to take the photographs everything would have to be right about them and you'd have to take them on down to have half tones and color separations made so that a printer could make plates in order to print it i i can't even imagine it had to be a real pain you know you're talking about selling the book and here in just one second i'm going to ask you to tell people where they can get the book but i just have to ask has i mean does the rolling stones do the rolling stones know about you have they bought any of these books did they they give you the blessing they do have several copies that are now in their permanent collection private archive no kidding who bought it who do you know who bought it well let's just say that they were acquired by a third-party agent I met along the way. Well, he managed the matter of getting it into their catalog, their collection, and uh, the offices in London and Amsterdam. Oh, that see, that would have been great had Mick Jagger called you and said, "Man, I need a copy of your book. Here's my credit card." <laughs> If I got a call like that, I'd be out the door in a flash. I don't even think I'd pick anything up. Just the contents of my pockets and I'd go. You you get the pictures on my desk. Hey, you you're talking about buying the book. Let me I mean, let's pitch, pitch, pitch. Where do I get it? Where does the audience get it? 
Well, there's several places that can be gotten from. If you're interested in the ebook, it can be found at lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. If you're accustomed to getting things from Amazon, the paperback version can be found at Amazon just by plugging in the name of the book. Mm-hmm. It's also available and can be ordered through Barnes & Nobles. There's another online uh, bit called Book Baby, and that's where you'll find the, I guess you'd call it the deluxe version, mm-hmm. the hardcover, glossy pages, and... Uh, a dust cover. That's the one I got, isn't it? No, I got the paperback, didn't I? Yeah, you got the paperback. Yeah. And it all, the book also has a webpage that talks about it. And if you go to my site, that'd be uh, www.chief-moons-gallery.com. The front page has the uh, an image of the book's cover. You click on that, it'll take you to a page where you can find out details. And at the bottom of that page are the places where it can be purchased from. Uh, most people sell these books with your signature. Can I get a signature? Huh? Huh? Uh, if you want to get a signature, then you're definitely going to have to go the route of finding a place called Sea Lion Productions LLC.com. Yeah. That's C Lion Gallery LLC.com. Sea Lion Productions with dashes in between the words. Yeah.com. And that's a secure site where I sell prints of my photographs and copies of the book, which. Uh, can be signed by the artist, by yeah. the uh, author. By you. Author, yeah. photographer, whatever you want to call the person. too often people will um, sort of subject or talk away this idea of a creative item, thinking you should do it for free because you'll oh, yeah. get exposure. And so, look, exposure won't pay my light bill. So <laughs> That's quite true. It will. Uh, I discovered rather quickly, I must have been about eight gigs in on 75 that people wanted to buy them from me. I show them to people, right? I had a few along with me in the first half dozen shows or something, Boston, New York, Philly. And well, after that, after Memphis, I printed up a whole bunch of them. When I went down to North Carolina and Florida on the two gigs that year in uh, last of July and the second of August, uh, people bought them. Mm-hmm. It was single rate, three and a half by five prints. And it was, buy them for a dollar a piece really what did it cost you to make them i took 350 prints with me and made 350 dollars well now i gotta wonder how much profit how much does a print cost you to make if you sold it for a buck well i over time i've worked out that i see about a a 283 percent return well hey yahoo that's good the the five dollar Black and white 11 by 14s will cost me about 80 cents a piece to make. And you would sell them for, what would that go for? Five bucks? Yeah, I'd sell for five dollars. That's great. That's great. I mean, on frame, on frame, you know, just a print, framed would be a different matter that would cost me more in terms of materials and production time and yeah, all sure. that. That's but, great. You know, out in front of the concert, I'm not going to be selling framed prints. What's anybody going to do with it? That's right. You know, if you've got 11 by 14 on a solid piece of double weight paper uh, and you roll it up with a rubber band, you're good. 
as long as you don't sit on it or you know spill your beer on it. <laughs> Which is something I'll bet a heck of a lot of people did. A lot of people they wait until after the show so they wouldn't sit on it or spill beer on it. I they thought get that, an after the show. Yeah, I thought that they saw you coming in. How many people just looked yeah. at you and said, "You're going to be here when I come back?" Yeah, granted, beyond that, to selling batches of them, a hundred to a box to uh, record stores. Real, like what? Peaches and and Sam Goody and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, all kinds of places that you can imagine. About four hundred different stores throughout the U.S. I sold them from foreign countries and what have you: England, Switzerland, Belgium, what have you. Uh, you know, there's record stores out there, independent record stores. They're always interested in some kind of material. Oh yeah. I wonder, am I talking to a rich man, or did you spend it all on oh, Stones no, no, tickets? No, no, no. <laughs> Most of these events break even. 1979, I left the house with uh, 16 cents, a half a pack of cigarettes, and a box of prints. A month later, when I come back, I had earned and gone through about $3,000. Wow. I, I could have. It was a nice month if you could just take that amount of money home, and that's that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the money was getting spent as I go film, paper, uh, darkroom rental, food. Airplanes. Food. Okay, so boom, you can light up. A few thousand dollars in the course of a month, real easy in traveling. Oh, I can imagine. But yeah, you got to feed yourself too. Yeah, right? and most of the time, if I was traveling, which was the case, uh, I just sleep on the bus or the train or the plane or whatever it was. Skip the accommodation. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the way to do it if you're trying to make a living, and it seems like you did. Well, everybody thought I was foolish because when I came back, I had the same amount as when I left. Well, everybody does think you're foolish. If you're not... What they did not realize was yeah. that the film that was shot, the images that were present, I could sell them later on in the future as many of them as I felt like. Yeah, that's the thing. So or many people, people so many people will go out of their way to tell you, you know, ah, you shouldn't do that. You should, you know, go conservative, go the home street. Yeah, but it's the people that take the swing for the fences that get it done, and you swung for the fences. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you Climb did. Climb a few, too. Love <laughs> Climbing, you know, they got those eighteen-foot cyclone fences in front of the stage on the say nineteen seventies style um, stadium shows. Yeah, uh, twice I posted myself at the top of the fence and shot, and nobody bugged you, or they tell you to get down. As long, no, they they might have had something to say, but as long as I didn't go over the fence, they didn't bother me. We need to take our first break, but we will return to speaking with photographer Kurt Angelitas about his book, Go For Broke, Volume 1, which is available today at Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Hey, uh, how long do you think it takes to run through uh, 20 rolls of film? I don't know. I'm assuming if, if you're firing away, it probably is darn quick. Just about. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, by the way, you, you state that. You like shooting film or are you happy with the new digital where you basically have an unlimited amount? Just keep firing. Which do you like? Well, it, depends, it depends on the size of the chip. Yeah. You've got it and how much storage you've got. I mean, you can get an incredible number of shots on one chip. It's nuts. Uh, on one chip, I must have everything I shot on them in 16, 17, and 19 uh -huh. on one chip. How and about that? if I was to look at it straight on, if that was film, 100 rolls of film? On one chip? The equivalent of 100 rolls of film? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's, amazing. That's, that's incredible. 
Uh, you know, yeah, there's differences. I wouldn't mind using a different unit, if you will. But to use a full-on professional camera these days, good luck. Yeah. Unless you really planned a hedge. Uh, yeah, and gotten gotten permission and all of that. Hey, let me. Oh, it exceeds that. It, it gets down to crazy things like having the right tool and knowing about ventilation systems and attending an event beforehand and placing what you need before you get there. Okay, I'm going to back you up again. What do I care about ventilation systems? <laughs> well, I, it goes more along the lines of okay, a full on professional camera let's say it's even opposed to use a, a reasonable digital that's uh, a 35 millimeter okay yeah. i'd have a huge capacity for imaging it would be faster in terms of acquiring the images uh, all kinds of things could improve if i could step up to the use of that but you can't bring something like that in these days huh. you've got severe pat downs you've got metal detectors you got people in the audience that'll squeal about it and you've got ushers, and then you've got security people that will give you headaches. What do you mean? People will turn you in? That's not rock and roll, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that back uh, all the way back in the day, 89. And uh, let's see, what was that funny little place in the middle of nowhere? Uh, <laughs> Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, I think it was. Wow. Yeah, it's nowhere. And yeah, he- I had people running from the, you know the, this this place on the pitch to go tell the ushers that somebody was using the camera. Oh, <laughs> uh, I didn't bat them upside the head or anything. I just moved. Oh man, that's too bad. Hey, you sent me something earlier, and I want to make sure it gets on the air. You mentioned a few books you were in, but it's better if I get them all sorted together in this uh, in this thing. You've done, if I'm reading this correctly, that you sent me five books. You got Rolling with the Stones by Bill Wyman, Love You Live, Marilou Reagan, The New Barbarians, Outlaws, Gunslingers, and Guitars by Rob Chapman, and also Rolling Stones, Every Album, Every Song, 6380 Steve Pinkleton. Is that the is that the collection? Yes, that's a little collection of books that uh, my photographs or bits of my collection are in. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Oh, each project was interesting in its own way. I can imagine, but there's something wonderful. And I, you know, I point this out. Why, you know, why do people become musicians? Why do people do these kind of things? Because you want to live on past. These snaps that you took, this book, it's going to live on, man. Part of you is going to be attached to the stones because you cataloged them. And there's something great about that. I, I guess that that's what results from concentrating on something being focused on something enjoying what you're doing and having others around you enjoy it too that's true yeah you picked a winner you hooked up to the you hooked up to the correct you know to the correct hitch it's beautiful in a way it wasn't it, it wasn't particularly purposeful it was more of an innocent approach you gotta realize that i'd only been using camera for a couple of years i'd had no formal training or tutelage or anything of the sort i learned on my own strictly from the data sheets that come with film yeah uh and when i chose the rolling stones as subject matter it was because pictures of rocks and trees and people sitting around (laughs) nobody wanted to buy them you didn't work for olin mills you want to do that Say again? You didn't want to work for Olin Mills, take pictures of people in front of a, a wagon wheel? 
with a fallback? Oh, yeah, I well, I, I did a bit like that in uh, 1992 in Oregon. I worked as a uh, traveling port for, portrait photographer for us. Ah, very nice. Based out of Springfield, Oregon. And they photographed high school students on for graduation and what have you. Wow, cool. Photos. Cool. So you had that sort of blue, weird background that everybody sits oh, in you, front you of. Got it. That's right. Exactly. That's lovely. Exactly. And every day we'd go from place to place to place in the state and photograph the kids in school. I always wondered, when you went into those schools to take those pictures, did you get a lunch? <laughs> did they no, feed we you? We had to, no, we had to get our own lunch. Oh, we had boo. to get our own lodging. Boo. <laughs> I would have at least let <laughs> you have some gas, chicken. If you will. <laughs> I would have at least let you have some chicken. Oh, there was one outfit that wanted me as a photographer, some religious outfit. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, so you travel around and photograph whatever it is that church folk do. Yeah. Uh, I might have gone for it, but what they wanted you to do was all of the work. And if people bought them, a year later, you'd get paid. Oh, no. No, no. Well, you know what I mean? That's, that's worse than migrant farm labor. At least yeah. there, you can get whatever you're going to get on a daily basis. No, no. Look, in God we trust, but you pay cash. That's, <laughs> that's the truth. I did notice that the way you've got the books set up in these eras, you call them with a, a, a little quip before each one of the eras. I'm a guitar yeah. fanatic, so I can go and and look at the uh, you know look at the guitars that they're playing, and there's you know the Zametas of the '70s, and then you never see them when it gets to the '80s, and then all of a sudden mid '80s in comes Keith Richards, now extremely well known five string telly. When before that, you know, there he was on an ES-335. It's, in one book, it was so easy to watch. If you if you watched the guitars, if you watched the bass, if you watched um, the, the, the clothing that was being worn by Jagger, you can just watch the Stones become the bands that you remember from the eras as they went by. And I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> and they were just done chronologically. I just thought it was great that when I opened it up, the very friend, I don't know if you did this on purpose, the very first picture of somebody in the book isn't a stone. It's Billy Preston. I, I tell you, that's a very funny thing that a lot of people don't know that there are people who've been with the Rolling Stones seemingly forever that are not well known. Yeah. I mean, Nicky Hopkins, Bobby Keys. Bobby, Bobby Keys is only... He's yeah. known, but you know what I mean? He wasn't officially a stone either. But Ian Stewart was part of the very original lineup before Andrew Oldham axed him. They were a six-piece unit before uh, you know they were on the verge of fame, and Oldham cut him out of the lineup. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I, I just think that's... No but you, you also had um, a drummer in there. 
And I'm going to take a guess. That's Steve Jordan. Yeah, that's Steve Jordan. That would have been with the expensive winos uh, that I got to see in 93. That's fantastic. Where did you get to see them? That's That was a touring band with uh, Richards, yeah? Am I right about that? Yeah, it was Case Richards uh, and and his people. I mean, it would have been Sarah Downs and Wadi Chow and Steve Jordan and another fellow. Uh, I forget who that was. <laughs> now, believe uh, me. But it was we'll an expensive lineup, Case Band. You yeah. know, they were, I'm out for them was in 88, and then they came back in uh, 93. I also loved looking at all of the different, you know, Mick is so expressive and Keith always looks like he's caught you looking at his and talking to his girlfriend, but <laughs> Wyman, I mean, he was as stone faced. Charlie was always as stone faced as you could be. That just blows me away with this high energy music. The fact that, I mean, Charlie was a machine, but I never saw yeah. any, I never saw any real, you know, emotion other than a smile every so often. And that'll that'll lead me into this question. Look, there's there's no good time for bad for bad news. What was uh, what was your response when you heard about the death of Charlie Watts? An immediate thought was, oh nuts, that's gonna change things a lot. The secondary thought was that it was gonna have a rather hard impact on the rest of the members of the band. Well, they they found someone to play immediately. Would you? Do you think they should have gone on? Uh yes. Probably in terms you you get from being down there in Louisiana. I think you put the leader on them. Time for the second break. Allow our affiliates to talk with their audiences. We're coming back to continue speaking with Kurt Angelitis about his new book, A Great Stocking Stuffer, by the way. Go for Broke, Volume One. Back in a minute here on Rock School. You know what? Since I mentioned Charlie Watts, you have pictures of the Charlie Watts. It's a quintet, right? It's Charlie Watts quintet. You have pictures of that. Please tell me about that show because I've only ever seen them because they appeared on the Tonight Show and a Dennis Miller show and a couple other things. But I've only ever seen them on video. Tell me about this Charlie Watts quintet. Well, when it comes to members of the Rolling Stones, that was a very different kind of night. It wasn't rock and roll. It was jazz. Mm-hmm. I I personally can do without jazz. <laughs> okay. Really, seriously. You bring up jazz to me and it's like, yeah, okay, you can listen to it. Maybe I'll listen to a couple of things, but there's a lot about jazz that I can do without. Yeah. I was going for pictures of Charlie Watts. I cannot, and this might sound weird, but I cannot remember a single note from that evening. Really? Exactly. I don't know what tunes they played. I know it was a long ago and far away album that was being, uh, you know, put out at the time. But I have it at home. I have the the box set of it, if you will. But I didn't at the time take in the music. Uh, the environment was rather, let's just say, close. Did did he not play one Rolling Stones song during that night? Not one. Really? It was his material. I mean, Charlie puts out records. 
Oh, yeah, but... One Charlie, and then there was the Quintet stuff, and the Tentet stuff, and Rocket 88, and uh, he's done all kinds of different little things with, within the jazz world. Yeah, but come on. You're Charlie Watts, right in the middle of all this stunning jazz. Just throw in, I don't know, one hit to the body or something like that. No, no, not those songs. That was a song like that wouldn't work at all. Trying to think, Not what at all. what would could you get through? Start me up. I bet you could put a horn on that. They could probably do something with say maybe can't you hear me knocking? That would have been. Oh, I could see that maybe, but they they weren't doing Rolling Stone songs. They were doing uh, uh, jazz numbers. You know, yeah. they, they were doing the music that Charlie favored himself. the instamatic and it's part of yeah. one of the introductory paragraphs about i think you called it blind date if yes. you if you don't mind that's a great story if you would impart you. if you would impart that to us i'd love that well i had hitchhiked from oregon to oshawa to uh catch the blind date show uh i didn't quite make it I got to see the end of it, the two-song encore, and that was it for me when it comes to uh, attending the show that night. However, I was aware that there was a court hearing the next morning. So I went from Oshawa to Toronto and went to the courthouse. And I sat at the courthouse until all kinds of other people showed up. And about, around about 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, after meeting someone uh, who had a particular interest in the proceedings, uh, a fan, her name was Rita. Mm -hmm. And, well, anyway, uh, at a point in time, uh, I told Rita, would you watch my things? And I just ran into the basement because of something that I saw. When I got down to the level that I got to, I arrived at the spot I did right as Keith was stepping out of an elevator. He came out of the elevator and got in the car as I posed a question. And as I was taking out the insomatic from my jacket pocket, uh, he hopped in the car and the picture speaks for itself. He's smiling, winking up. He's winking, smiling and whipping off his tie. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, you all I could think was how many people Keith Richards has punched. That's all I thought. I thought you were going to get shoved or something, but no, you got the picture. Oh, no. That was great. No, no, no. 
He was, he was, by the time I shot it, he was in the car and he wasn't about punching me. He was happy <laughs> as you could be because he didn't have to go back to court in Canada again. That's and right. Our obligation or whatever it was over with. That's the thing for a fan. It really is. And now you have added to that extensive you know, catalog of items that have cataloged the Rolling Stones. As a matter of fact, the name of the book, once again, is Go For Broke, Volume 1, suggesting that there is going to be a Volume 2. And, Kurt, when you put it out, uh, let me know. I'd love to pick one up because I adore this book. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. And not to just sound like I'm having you on to pitch it for Christmas, but this, if you got a friend who's a fan of the Stones, this is a Christmas gift to give him. Kurt, thank you for... Sure. Thank you so much for spending some time with me, and uh, I I hope you're able to see another 15 or 20 Stone shows and then make a decision to do 15 or 20 more. (laughs) Thank you very much. You bet. Kurt, thank you for your time. Okay, thank you for your time. See you, Joe. All right, bye-bye.